Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there. My name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm Jenny Rooney with Adweek. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm joined for this next episode uh, by Alice Milligan. Uh, She's the CMO at Morgan Stanley. And we're going to really get into um, a little bit about Alice, her background, what makes her unique as a marketing leader, what she's really trying to drive at Morgan Stanley, um, and perhaps the unique nuance of being a marketing leader at a company such as Morgan Stanley. So, Alice, welcome. Great. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. No, I'm super, super excited about this. As I said, um, I have admired your work for a long time. And actually, I have you and I have never met, so I'm thrilled to, to meet you here. Um, and I think for anyone who, who doesn't know you or would love to get to know you a little bit better, I would love for you to just share a little bit about you. You know, before we get into Morgan Stanley, just talk a little bit about your career path and, and really what got you to this place. Okay. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I talk about my career, it's a, it's probably a little bit of a different story than what you would traditionally or typically hear of somebody who's in financial services. You know, I left home when I was uh, 19 uh, with pretty much the money I had saved from a variety of jobs. I had a paper route. I was a day camp counselor. I worked in a pharmacy, uh, saved up those dollars and moved out. And I became an administrative assistant for AT&T as my first position. And I would say pretty quickly um, what after starting that, I sort of determined, you know what, I want to do something different. And so I went back to school at night. Got my undergrad and my master's degree all at night. It took me a little bit over a decade to complete everything. Um, And uh, I learned a ton. You know, I think the good news was 
Um, I was able to really practically apply what I was learning in school back on the job uh, as I was getting promoted through the ranks while I was going to school. Um, but I think I missed a little bit of the college experience. Uh, which I, I kind of regret, but uh, I think all in all, you know, looking at my career as a marathon, not a sprint, and recognizing I was in it for the long haul, it was really helpful to do that. And I learned a tremendous lesson in terms of prioritization and and balancing work and life and some other things that have served me well throughout my career. Uh, and then from AT&T, I went to American Express, to City, to E-Trade, and now ultimately Morgan Stanley. I love that. I think that's so interesting. So a question that popped into my head is, you know, obviously you went from AT&T and then you went to American Express. And to me, that was like an inflection point in your career because you that was the first mm-hmm. time that you moved into a company that was focused on financial services in the broad yeah. way we define it. Just curious, you know, in that moment, did you, were you focused on, um, and I need to ask this question correctly, was it, were you focused just on um, American Express as a brand and these other companies as brands? Or did you quickly pivot to, oh, it's financial services, it's different? Like, did you have a just a brand-first mentality or did you have a financial services-first mentality? Yeah. You know, I would say there was two inflection points in my career like that. This first one, it was more of a brand mentality. Got it. AT&T was a great brand. It was a consumer brand, uh, well-known, had great values and a great reputation in the marketplace. And American Express was actually very similar great brand, really customer focused. And I wanted to be a part of that brand. When I left um, American Express, I went to coach the retail uh, leather handbag and accessory firm, Uh, learned a ton there. uh, And it was my first try at retail. I didn't love retail. And so when I left coach and went back to city, that's when I realized not only did I really care about working for great consumer brands, but I loved financial services. Mm -hmm. And I thought retail and luxury goods was going to be about a real emotional connection to the consumer because of the nature of the products. And I found out that it was really about a sales mentality. And financial services, although you initially you don't think about that emotional connection, it really enables to people to do the things that they dream about, right? You need dollars to buy your first home, to put your kids in college, to buy that TV for a Super Bowl party. And so I really started to understand the importance of when financial services done right and well It helps people live their dreams. It's not just about lending money or providing credit cards. And so that transition was really about the content of the industry and how to make a difference in that space. So you were marketing a means to an end as opposed Mm -hmm. to marketing the end in and of itself, right? Yeah, yeah. That's huge because to me, and listen, marketers talk all the time. We hear this all the time about, you know, brand purpose or like, you know, wanting to exist for something more. Arguably coach does too, but yeah. there's something inherent about financial services to your point that is undeniable. And if you can yeah. kind of like tap into that truth, that's what you feel probably I would imagine invigorates you as a marketing leader and mm-hmm. makes you feel like the work you're doing really yeah. matters. Yeah. Um, you know, and you and know what's interesting? Like you, you raise a point too. It's like there's something, there's a little something, um, uh, like that kind of is separate, like is separate in nature about luxury goods versus mm. with 
financial services, it doesn't matter where you start. Like there's a starting place, but if you have access, opportunity, knowledge, tools, all of those things, you can move up, uh, whether it's financially or to through your passions or the things you want to do. You can start at any place and still get to where you want to go versus with luxury goods. It was a little bit of you have to have arrived already to be able to afford some of the elements. And I love that piece about being you know, accessible to everyone and helping people build along the way. Love, love that. Yeah. There's a broader, there's really arguably a broader base, you know, there's a broader yeah. audience that you're engaging with um, in that regard. Talk a little bit about um, just the journey that Morgan Stanley has been on, you know, perhaps over the last five, 10, 15 years, because for those who haven't been tracking, I mean, um, talk a little bit about that and sort of from a marketing and brand point of view, you know, kind of where you've been, but also where you are at at this point. Yeah, I mean, the firm has been on a great path. Um, James Gorman, who's our current CEO, uh, and his operating committee put together a really strong strategy around growth and, and different areas and aspects of the business. You know, we have a really strong investment banking and institutional business, uh, built out a really strong asset management business. And then wealth management was really the next sort of generation of growth for the firm as well as our at-work businesses. And so, you know, moving down that path of building a good, solid business across those dimensions in terms of financial services is where the firm has been. And as part of that, uh, there was an element of making sure we build the right capabilities, strategies, and customer base that we should, but also where it makes sense, acquire or partner with firms to have those additional capabilities and technologies and audiences. And so a couple of years ago, we purchased E-Trade, which I was a part of, and also Eaton Vance and Solium and Parametrics and a number of other businesses that brought really great technology and innovation, new audiences, different demographics of those audiences, and different ways they thought about financial services. And so as a result of that, my job when I took the CMO role was really to start to say, you know, how do we look at our brand now as an enterprise brand that supports all of these audiences and all of these products um, versus more of a single line product based uh, brand. And so uh, spent a lot of time working through our brand platform, doing research and understanding both internally and externally how we were viewed and what our strong points were and all of those elements uh, around competitive differentiation. And then um, put together our brand plat platform, our strategy, and then ultimately our brand creative execution, which we launched in January, which was Old School Grit, New World Ideas, which was our most recent campaign. The first one that we had launched since I think it was four or five years, uh, we hadn't launched a new brand campaign. And then looked at a number of different types of activations. You know, how do we bring some of our core values to life, like diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so uh, we brought on the WTA as a key strategic partner, got Leila Fernandez um, as our new brand ambassador in the sport of tennis, uh, did a collaboration with Rebecca Minkoff on reinventing the banker bag for a new generation of women on Wall Street. And so really looked at different ways that we could start to show our brand was modern, 
Our brand is current and our brand is here to provide access and opportunity to everyone who is really interested in building a good financial and solid financial future. So that feels like the innovation you're bringing and frankly, the creativity you're bringing to the role is is pretty extensive, especially for a financial services brand, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like typically it's... um. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of different types of creativity innovation, but you're getting at the heart of, you know, you, I'm going back to the purpose uh, piece of this because it seems like you're very laser focused on that. You know, it's, um, but it is challenging in this environment. I mean, it's a very competitive environment. I think there's also yeah. probably a, an educational component of your marketing that you need to be able to share, you know, yeah, with, yeah. with your audiences as well. So how are you kind of weaving um, the the goal of, you know, think about us differently but also here's why it matters to you and consumer, right? You know, I think there's a couple of ways that we did that. The first, and and what I would say is part of my background um, in many of the roles I've had have had a couple of elements. Uh, I've had pretty extensive roles in technologies, in operations, in marketing, and then in, um, in sort of uh, performance marketing in particular. And so being really focused on data and, and data and analytics and insights and informing everything we do with those elements, I think has been really important. So anytime we've been looking at, hey, what, you know, how do we think about our strategy and what do we want to do and what works and doesn't work? We do that using data and analytics, as well as then testing everything with research focus groups and gathering information to make sure the way we're thinking about it will resonate when we hit the marketplace. And so through that, we've learned a lot around, you know, what channels. And so if you think about our traditional audiences and the traditional audiences for Morgan Stanley, a lot of that was done face-to-face through our financial advisors and private wealth managers and investment bankers working directly with clients. And um, as we think about newer audiences and these broader audiences, digital channels become much more important because you're trying to reach many more people um, who interact with the firm in different ways. So we prioritized our digital strategy and enhancing our website. We created a new why us experience that really gives people reasons why they should choose Morgan Stanley. Like you as a consumer have a lot of choice. And, you know, we may know why the brand is wonderful, but you don't always know that. And so we brought that into this site experience where you could sort of choose your own journey and understand Mm -hmm. and go down different paths based on some questions that you answer. We started to engage through social media in different ways, um, you know, sort of changing even small things like how we do our logo on the page. It used to be like really long and thin, and now we stock the logo so it's easier to read. So you're just things like that, really kind of looking at each channel and seeing what's important. And then I think the final thing is understanding that the, the the ecosystem of media and marketing that you can do needs to work in harmony, sort of not in competition. So we spent a lot of time around looking at our earned, our owned, and our paid media and how those things, like what's the right media for this particular consumer, for this effort? How do they work together? How do we balance things? We have a pretty small budget marketing wise. And so really being efficient about that 
measuring the effectiveness, getting rid of the things that aren't working and building on the things that are working um, have been a lot of what we've been doing to try and get the message out there. Um, I love that. You know, so uh, curious real quick on this point, and then I mo- want to move on and talk more about you. But, um, you know, how does mar- how is marketing defined in a financial services company such as yours? You know, I mean, we we all know how it lives in CPG or other B2C, uh, you know, companies. But what's unique, do you think, about the engine that marketing must be specific to a financial services company? You know, I think there's there's probably a lot of things that are similar. Um, I would say that the things I would think are probably most different are first, the level and amount of internal selling, education, um, and sort of bringing people along that is required. You know, in a consumer goods firm or some of the other firms, it's intuitive and it's it's almost kind of known the importance of marketing and what marketing does to the table brings to the table and how marketing complements and or drives growth for particular products and services but in firms like Morgan Stanley and some of the financial services firms because so much has historically depended on you know face to face sales product driven sales um, the value of marketing isn't something that's intuitively known. Mm-hmm. So spending a lot of time just educating people, right? Taking it out of this fluffy space of creativity, which sometimes is what people think about as all marketing's about and bringing it back to, you know, here's what we're seeing. Here's how much traffic we're driving. Here's the visit rate. Here's the activity rate on the site. Here's how people are engaging. Here's how we're moving them down this thing called a marketing funnel and this is where we're converting and how those conversions result in sales. And so taking the time to put in place the right tracking mechanisms, taking that information and then making sure that when you're talking about your strategies, your campaigns, everything that you're doing, even if it's awareness and brand based, that you're sharing the key metrics and the KPIs that are important to that and why they ultimately lead to driving new business and growth. So that I would say is the first um, aspect that's probably a little bit different. Although what I've seen is more and more companies are talking about, you know, what's the marketing ROI and how are we driving KPIs and analytics in financial services, it's a must do to be successful. And then I think the other aspect is, um, which we tried to do in the campaign that we launched is a lot of the industry's focus is about like product-based marketing. Mm-hmm. Here's a card. This is what this card does. This is yeah. the interest rate. Let's buy it. Um, I think what especially with like Morgan Stanley, what we've been trying to push on. And and this, I think we probably borrowed a bit more from um, more consumer industries and some of the digital firms is creating that emotional connection with a firm. You know, you can get a card anywhere, uh, but what you want to do is get a card with a firm that shares your values, shares what you believe in, feels right to you um, and makes you feel good about yourself and your future. And so I think that element of really pushing on brand 
uh, marketing, brand advertising a bit more has been um, something that we've been focused on, but I think a differentiator in the space. The irony is when we talk about financial services, ultimately at the very, very core, when you boil it down, we're talking about transactions. And yet mm-hmm. it's, anything, it's anything but transactional or transaction focused yeah. when you yeah. think about it from your narrative yeah. standpoint. So uh, we'll be right back with more Marketing Vanguard after this quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. So, Alice, I want to talk to you now a little bit about your, just you as a, as a marketing leader and, frankly, a business leader within the organization. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your passion for what you are doing is palpable. I mean, I'm just feeling it in the conversation with you. And, you know, I'm curious where you get your inspiration, because obviously you have a personal story that I think informs how you think about things, but then obviously your experience, your education that was, you know, um, uh, your your additional education that you obtained over 10 years. I mean, there's just, there's a lot there, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. now, and as we sort of think about how you know, you're building a brand that has relevance. Um, again, as I said a minute ago, you know, beyond just the transactional part of it, but like how it stands up for people, what the purpose is, and honestly, like how it has relevance, you know, in culture and in the way people in communities and the way people think about certainly themselves, but how they engage. Um, where are you getting that inspiration? You know, like what do you look to um, to yeah. find ideas and th- to see things and to kind of piece things together as far as where you need to go? Yeah. I, I say I get inspiration from everything. And and many times, unfortunately for me, it's like in the middle of the night when I'm supposed to be <laughs> sleeping. I'll be like, oh, let me write this down. Um, but I, you know, I, I try to get inspiration from everywhere because what I found over the course of my career is not everybody does everything well, right? There's always like somebody who's just amazing at one thing. Um, and maybe not great at all the others, but you could take something from this one thing. So I, um, I get inspiration from my backyard, right? I've spent the last five years redoing and renovating my whole landscape. I've learned everything about French drains, curtain drains, <laughs> you, know, you name it from water. Uh, issues all the way through, you know, sort of building an outdoor fireplace and all the types of trees and bushes that bloom um, throughout the season. And, and so I'll take things like that just to say, okay, what's, what's important, right? For, from what I just mentioned, building the right infrastructure and having the right base and foundation is critical. 
um, to any strategy or vision uh, that you have. And so when I start a team or start in a group, I really focus on you know, what is the foundation we want to build? What are the areas we want to focus on? And in three to five years, what do we want to be? And I rally my team and group around that. You know, using that same example, the next thing is, okay, you know, how do you create something where you have, you know, 365 days worth of beauty that happen in a staggered way? And again, thinking through, you know, in marketing, the brand advertising and how that works in in balance and harmony with performance marketing and and conversion marketing and transaction based marketing how do you think about the channels in the right way and make sure that they're working together when they need to be and working independently when they need to be how do you bring in and influence it, all the other people in the organization to be part of that you know sort of garden or landscape, because you can't do marketing alone if you don't have good products, if you don't have good customer service, if you don't have leadership who believes and backs in the mission. So all of that type of um, work comes together. And so, you know, if I think about landscaping or interior design or any of the things, riding my Peloton bike um, and all of the things I've learned through that, I think um, I think you can get inspiration in anything you do. You talk a lot about team, how they work together, how they need to work together. I'm going to ask you a question that I ask often in this in this podcast, which is um, let's let's literally take that into a framework of a sports team, right? So mm-hmm. I'll use soccer as the example. You're on a you're on a soccer pitch, and um, you, the question is: Are you the striker at the front um, who's trying to score the goals offensively? Are you in the midline where you're sort of playing, you know, go between, between the strikers and the defensive players, or are you at the back defending the goal at all costs from uh, competitive attacks? Yeah. And uh, another thing that's different about me, although I will use your soccer analogy, I am a big football, boxing, uh, and oh. boxing and fishing fan. So not a huge soccer that's fan, funny. but I know enough. <laughs> I know enough to say I would probably have to say I'm sort of at the midline or a midfielder. And that's because I believe like my job is to support the team, set up opportunities for them to shine and score, you know, sort of build that next generation of leader. Um, but also, you know, by my nature, I love to do that. And that's what I feel important. But as a CMO, you're sort of in that position as well, because you need to be well-rounded enough into to be able to step sort of into any place or anywhere you're needed, whether it's offense or defense. And you need to be able to consider the big picture and the team as a whole versus focus on one specific area. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um as you move forward and, you know, there's there's going to be, you know, we've gone through a period of, um, you know, listen, the only the only constant is change itself. And certainly living mm-hmm. through um, this period, economic pressures, you know, are facing yeah. so many people. Um, you know, what concerns you the most? What do you both I would I would say almost do like a SWOT analysis of, of, of the next six months to a year? You know, what are you really optimistic about and what concerns you? that you're really keeping um, close tabs on as you move forward? Yeah. Um, You know, I feel what I'm really optimistic about is continuing, um, I think, down the journey that we've been on in terms of um, our brand and and modernizing the brand and and appealing to younger and different generations. Um, I, I think I'm excited about that because we've got such great and creative marketing and materials 
Uh, we've got a bunch of things that'll be launching with the US Open. Um, so there's like freshness that's happening every three to six months um, that are, you know, full 360 activations and that are really exciting for the firm, both how we come across externally, but also it's really giving a great sense of pride and enthusiasm and excitement to our employees, which has been, you know, even more important in some instances because they're your best advocates to clients and to prospects. Um, so I'm excited about more happening with the brand and the work that we're doing. Um, you know, I think realistically, uh, it's a tough environment, um, both economically. So being really efficient about our budget, managing it well, managing it wisely and making the most of, uh, you know, sort of what I would refer to as free channels, right? The things that we control, like our website or SEO or some of those other um, elements that we can really be efficient with. But also, you know, as the environment continues in the way that it has been, you know, understanding what people's emotions are like, um, yeah. how they're feeling, you know, what they're focused on is going to be really important to ensure that, we're not just creating the right messaging, but we're serving that messaging up with a certain intention in mind, which is to make sure people are aware of the products, the services, and the opportunities available to them to help weather that storm. And so I think part of it is just making sure we have, you know, always have that right, you know, finger on the pulse to understand what's out there so that we can make sure people know what we have to offer that can help them. A hundred percent. And just being, so, and making sure you're always relevant, right? That relevance piece, I just, yeah. has always been important, but now more so now than ever, um, you know, I, yeah. I just, it's incumbent upon brands. Um, when you think about accomplishing the goals you have for yourself, who's your best collaborator, you know, in the C-suite, um, for example, you know, CEO, CFO, um, chief tech officer, you know, how are you thinking about, cause you've touched on a lot of different things yeah. and I see collaboration as being such a, a core focus for you. But if you had to think about, uh, a pairing or a matchup that is especially critical for you to excel as a CMO, um, who would that be? So I, I'm going to give you two answers because the first one I would say is my husband. And, you know, I, I quote this all the time, but I would say, you know, I think of Sheryl Sandberg, who said at one point, you know, choose your partner in life really carefully because they are one of the most important people uh, that you will have in your life. And I really firmly believe that, you know, I I not only do things like that bounce ideas off of him, ask him to react to things and all of those things. But, you know, he and I have been together uh, over 30 years at this point, not married, but have been together. Congratulations. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And he, um, you know, he was there while I was going to school at night, you know, doing everything he had to do and pitching in. And we've had many ups and downs and health crises and everything else. And and ultimately, the two of us has really relied on each other. And so he'd be the first, you know, the first collaborate, collaborator I think I could get through this life without him versus um, the job. I think the second, um, as I think about it, especially in the firm um, like Morgan Stanley, there's a couple of key um, areas that are important. One, I think, is 
the CEO and the operating committee, it is really important to have the backing of and the support of your CEO and your operating committee and for people to know that they view marketing and the work that you're doing as important. Um, And, you know, the tone is always set from the top. And so that's a critical that's a critical piece of it. And then in in the work that I'm doing, there's almost like the key external audiences and then internal as a key audience. So I find myself partnering a lot with our chief human resources officer Mm -hmm. to make sure we're thinking about our employee experience and our employee brand value proposition in line with our overall brand proposition and, and sort of who we're attracting, how we're attracting them and how we ensure that we're a brand that is appealing to them. And then some of our other key functions like corporate services that does all the planning and design of our space, right? Like part of what makes you feel like somebody who's excited about a brand and to advocate for a brand is if you feel good about where you work and how you do your work. And so, you know, corporate services, who's doing all of our planning of the offices and what they look like and the tools we have to collaborate and our technology has also been really important um, and then ultimately the business heads, you know, so that we make sure we reflect their products in the right way and understand who their clients are and who they want their clients to be. You know, going back a minute uh, ago, you know, you talk about collaboration internally, but also the collaboration you're doing externally. And I'm I'm noting the collaborations you've done with artists and celebrities. And how do you think about that strategy? And, you know, how do you how do you choose? How do you partner? How do you, you know? Yeah. What's the process there, especially given um, that it's Morgan Stanley, quite frankly? Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of elements to that. The first, whenever we're looking at um, a sponsorship or an, an individual to partner with, whether that's a collaboration like Rebecca or a brand ambassador like Justin Rose and Layla, uh, we do a couple of things. The first is um, we look at either the sport or the area that they're in. And what is the interest of our clients, prospective clients, institutions that we do business with and our employees in that space? And what you see is, you know, sports like golf, like tennis, um, arts, culture, fashion um, tend to appeal to a broad audience, um, audiences that have varying levels of wealth, but have the potential to build and grow wealth. Uh, for sports like tennis and arts and culture in particular, uh, they are appealing to female breadwinners and high net worth women, uh, a clear segment that we want to make sure knows about Morgan Stanley and that we appeal to. So just that general appeal, audience um, sort of fit and relevance in terms of who we are looking to appeal to and go after is probably the first cut. Budget, of course, is always the second. Like, you know, what does a sponsorship or a collaboration cost? And is that within budget? Then next, we look at our um, value fit. So we have a set of core values, things like, you know, do the right thing, act with integrity, value diversity, um, those elements. And so we look at that particular partner or individual to say, is there a fit with our values? And are they speaking about and doing similar things in the marketplace that um, resonates with us and has that fit? And then from there, we look at just, you know, the general opportunity. 
Um, so with the WTA, for example, the Women's Tennis Association, they sort of met all the upward criteria that I mentioned in terms of fit and values and what they were trying to do. There was a charitable component with their come play events that we could participate in and that was in sync with the um, volunteer activities and philanthropic activities that we do. But also there was a space that we could play that others were not that could bring access and opportunity to the athletes and coaches. So we're creating a financial empowerment program for the women athletes and the coaches. Uh, we're doing a content series to let people know a little bit more about them. Um, so there's a bunch of things that we could do that really just bring our brand and their brand to life in a way that is new and different and it's been resonating with the younger uh, generation, Gen Z, millennials, et cetera. I love it. This should be required listening for anybody who aspires uh, to build their careers in marketing and 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 rise to the level of marketing leadership. Because there's just so much intentionality around what you're doing, and there's I mean the deliberateness of your decisions is is so key, you know, and so well considered. But there are so many things to consider. I mean, I think that's yeah, like, you know, obviously one of the biggest takeaways. Um, question for you, you know, when I'm having conversations with marketing leaders in the context of the Marketing Vanguard podcast, um, you know, I like to ask about key decisions, you know, like everything you do, it's like forks in the road, you know, every single day, mm -hmm. your decisions. And that's what I mean, it's like throwing a pebble in a pond. I mean, that's literally the things that are causing the business, the brand and the business to move forward. And it's just interesting to think about breaking them down, you know, and actually kind of getting very focused. And the literal definition of Vanguard means a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that said, what is an example of a decision, a development, or an idea that you have had um, that has led the way or changed trajectory for your company um, or for the industry? Because obviously, I think what the work that you and other CMOs uh, and other C-suite marketing leaders do um, it shifts the the profession. It moves and changes mm -hmm. how we think about marketing leadership. So I'll stop, but that's a, a big question. <laughs> yeah, let me, you know, I'll give you an example because, you know, question, a huge question like that sometimes is hard to break down. And, and I'll give you an example of um, maybe a way that we sort of broke it down and thought about it uh, in some of the actions we took over the last year. When I found out, you know, so I was, I was in a meeting with a number of the folks on my team and we started talking, you know, it was right at the time where there was a lot in the news about SpaceX and, and space, um, competition and, you know, um, people going to space in different ways. And, and we started having a conversation and I found out that the first all female spacewalk was scheduled in 2019, was rescheduled in 2019 because there weren't enough spacesuits available to fit astronauts of smaller stature. Wow. And I was like, that is amazing to me. Like NASA, you know, it, it's like one of the, you know, most advanced areas, um, and firms and, and, and companies I can think of, but like had to scrap, um, or reschedule a spacewalk because of that. And so our research team here, our equity research team at Morgan Stanley had been predicting that the global space industry was gonna surge to over a trillion dollars by 2040. So we were like, okay, it's a huge industry with this 
interesting sort of um, dynamic. How do we think about this opportunity and help to break down barriers to provide everyone with equitable opportunity to participate in the space economy? And like that was really in line with what we were thinking about in terms of marketing and what we stand for as a firm and our core values. So last year, what we did is we unveiled this conceptual model spacesuit for women in partnership with Courageous, which is the brand studio of CNN. And we introduced a spacesuit as part of an immersive activation in Times Square, which took visitors through the history of spacesuit design. We had replica spacesuits. We had a galaxy room in the middle of Times Square with an LED wall projecting images from the James Webb Space Telescope. And we ended with this like Morgan Stanley Access One spacesuit, which was a conceptual model that was designed for people of smaller stature. Wow. Um, and we also did some things where we had AR where you could put your your head was like sort of put in the spacesuit and it was on our Times Square signage. So it was really immersive experience that went viral to some extent for people who were um, sort of doing tours in Times Square and other things. Um, but what I thought about that was it was taking a real world problem, leveraging research and data and information that we have as a firm bringing that together in an exciting and sort of innovative way to make people aware of it that hopefully will drive change within not just that industry, but our industry by giving examples of how you can really uh, think about marketing and financial services in new and different ways and take, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion in, in new directions um, that make people understand it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just an example of the types of things we try to do. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do as we integrate in in the you know initiatives and the marketing and the campaigns that we do. Obviously, then to have all that drive business growth for you too is is fundamental. But I mean, you're you're cognizant of all the ways it intertwines, right? To to build relevance, to build awareness, to build and you know and sort of align you with that kind of innovation and also that priority, right? Around AI and and sort of how you're you're actually manifesting that in, in the activations um, that you're putting out in the world. So yeah, um, 
Incredible work. Um, well, I mean, Alice, I've loved this. Um, you know, we're coming to the end of the podcast and I have to ask you this question, um, which is what I really leave the listeners with every time, which is, you know, who's next? Um, you know, we have sort of a pay it forward mentality here at, uh, with the yeah. Vanguard um, by Adweek platform where we think about, you know, let's, let's try to um, shine light on people who are also, you know, CMOs who are rising up and are doing some innovative things or other types of, um, you know, brand or marketing leaders that are, um, you know, just doing some very innovative things and making some really key decisions to, to change things and move things forward. So who would you recommend? We Yeah. So Jenny, I would recommend Heather Stern. She's the CMO at Lippincott and Lippincott is the strategic agency that we used for our brand campaign and the development of our brand strategy. Um, fantastic firm, great people, but Heather's the CMO there. And aside from being another podcast host extraordinaire like yourself, um, she's really vibrant. She's has a unique point of view into the inner workings of a ton of different uh, companies through the agency and, and then being clients of the agency. She's a big believer in agile marketing. Uh, and I think you'd really love speaking to her. I enjoyed speaking to her. It was like, I felt like I knew her forever. Uh, and I think you guys could have a great conversation and really, sh- and bring some insights to the table that others may not have. I love that. I will reach out to her and that will be somebody who we have on the Marketing Vanguard podcast coming up. Um, but in the meantime, Alice, thank you so much for being here. This has really been um, really interesting and I've loved getting to know you and the work that you're doing and how you think about leadership um, and, and driving change, really. So um, yeah. best thank to you. you we can see each other in person again sometime very, very soon. So Yeah, I hope so too. Thanks for having me and I'm glad we could make it happen. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.